The best district manager I ever worked with was always recruiting for store employees. Every time they went shopping, they were recruiting. If they met employees in other stores, restaurants, it didn't matter. They were always recruiting. And when they found somebody who was really, really good, they kept in touch with them, even if they didn't currently have an opening. And then when they had an opening, they would already have three or four people. Welcome to Management Development Unlocked, where you will learn how to nurture a world-class management team. And now your host, Eric Gerard. Welcome to a special 50th episode of Management Development Unlocked. I am really glad that you're here for this milestone. Please remember to support the show by subscribing, commenting, and sharing. Today, I'm thrilled to have Tom Applegarth with me. Tom, welcome to the show. Who are you and what do you do? Well, I appreciate being here. Thank you very much. So I've been in HR my entire career. So the last uh, 30 plus years, I've been in HR and a number of different companies, both big, you know, uh, Amico and and uh, Goodyear, Tired Rubber Company, big Fortune 500 companies, as well as smaller companies. I was the uh, head of HR of a company called Potter Electric that's about $250 million in revenue and, and about 700 employees. And now I'm working for a preferred CFO. And, uh, and they, we, Preferred CFO has been around for about 10 years. We work with about 150 companies and we do outsourced finance, accounting, HR, and payroll work for smaller companies. And I head up the HR practice for Preferred CFO. Cool. Well, this is going to be an interesting episode because we haven't talked really about HR or the subject you're going to talk about, which is finance, compensation, and benefits, or what we in the industry like to call comp and ben. And we're going to talk about all those decisions that new managers need to consider. So with Great. that, let's let's dive in. Starting at the top here with compensation issues. So what compensation issues should new managers keep in mind when hiring or giving employees merit increases? Because we all want to be in that that admirable position of giving raises, but there's a there's a flip side to that as well. Absolutely. And so I think I think that the first assumption that I think all managers should make is that people talk because they do. And often you think that you're going to give a increase of some kind to one person and that nobody else will know and you won't have to deal with the ramifications of explaining your decisions. And that's generally not a good assumption. A lot of times people people talk and share information. And so whenever you're giving pay increases or whenever you're hiring somebody new, you not only need to take into account what you're trying to accomplish with that one employee, but I always think it's great to operate under the assumption that if everybody finds out what I am doing, how am I going to explain it to the team? Okay. So if I give my favorite employee a 25% raise, it's guaranteed word's going to get out and I'm going to have to explain that to someone. Highly likely, for sure. Okay. <laughs> All right. So we won't do that. What are some other common financial mistakes that new managers make? I mean, I, I think that um, people, new managers that aren't used to kind of forecasting and being responsible for a budget, I, I think a, a good thing to always remember is to overpromise or, or, uh, uh, or underpromise and overdeliver. You know, so when, when you're putting together a forecast, 
if you're really optimistic about what you're going to be doing, and you don't necessarily need to always share your optimism with your boss, not fully. And so you want to you want to temper, you know, what uh, what the financial forecast is going to be, how much you think you're going to spend, and always leave upside for what you're going to do. I think that uh, just a common rookie mistake is for managers to be really optimistic about what they're going, what the numbers are going to be able to deliver, and then they fall short. And and a manager who who comes with a lot of good news at the first of the year and is promising, I'm going to increase revenue by 15%, and I'm going to increase, and I'm going to you know be able to drop you know most of that to the bottom line. And then only comes in at ten percent. Usually, their boss is not as happy as they are with maybe the manager that only promised an increase of five percent, but then delivered seven percent. It's not, you know, the world really shouldn't be that way, but it just is. People are people, and if you give them an expectation and you fall short, that's uh, much worse than giving them less optimism and exceeding that target. You know, I even have to worry about that or or consider that in my own business. So I'm CEO and chief bottle washer of my company. And at the beginning, actually the end of last year, like December, I was laid up with a shoulder after shoulder surgery. And so I'm sitting on the couch with Apple Notes open on my phone going, I could make this much. I could, I could do that. And then I could do this and then I could do that. And about March, I looked at that note again and thought, hmm. Maybe maybe I was aiming a little high. You're right. So yep. just something to think about. For sure. All right. What are things a new manager should keep in mind if they think they need to terminate an employee? So now we've pivoted from finances to now you're going to make some hard calls. Okay, you've brought the they've brought the employee on, hasn't worked out, even after that nice raise. Now you've got to let them go. What do you need to be thinking about? Yeah, the the uh, the pushback I always get from managers who want to fire somebody is they say, "Well, aren't we an at-will employer?" And the answer in most states, if not all states, is yes, of course we're an at-will employer. However, if the employee can convince ultimately nine out of twelve jurors that the reason you terminated them was because of their race, age, sex, because they blew the whistle on something because of a worker's comp claim. I mean, there's just all of these reasons, illegal reasons to terminate someone. And even if that is not the reason and the manager is like, well, of course I'm not terminating them because of one of those illegal reasons. I'm terminating them because they're not doing a good job. Well, you always have to remember in the back of your mind, you know, if this thing goes the worst case scenario, it's nine out of 12 jurors who get to decide that question. And if they decide that, no, the reason that you did terminate somebody was an illegal reason, then they get to determine how much money and punitive damages that may be. And I've actually, you know, me or somebody who's worked for me has probably fired over a thousand people. And there's only, and, and a couple of them have gone to a jury verdict and I've only lost one. But that one was a million dollars. Could be a million dollar mistake. And for sure, we didn't fire this plant manager who was underperforming because he happened to be 62 years old 
and had worked for the company for 30 years. His age had nothing to do with it. He was running the worst plant in the company. And after many warnings and many performance discussions, he was still running the worst plant in the company. And so he had to go. But we didn't convince nine out of 12 jurors, and it cost us a million bucks. The real mistake we actually made in that case is I tried to get everybody to give him a fairly reasonable severance package, and they didn't want to give him a dime. If we would have given him $50,000 or less, he would have signed a waiver and we would have saved a million bucks. So that was uh, that's another, another uh, thing that you should always do is always offer people a severance package because you never know what nine out of 12 jurors, nine out of 12 people who weren't smart enough to get out of jury duty, you never know what those people are going to do. Uh, yeah. I just had a situation where a group of people and I had to let somebody go. And it was after repeated performance issues and it had all been documented and it had all been written down. And yet when the guy in charge and and one of our teams sat down with this employee and said, listen, we're letting you go, you know, and, and here's the letter. They were completely blindsided. They had no idea. What do you mean? What are you talking about? I thought I was doing a great job. So they were kind of blind. You know, maybe maybe they had internal blinders on or, or there was something else going on where, where they just didn't see what was happening. But one of the things that we did do was offer three-month severance. So, you know, what we care about you as a human being, there's, there's nothing the matter with you as a person. You, we just weren't seeing what we needed out of that position but we want to make sure you land well. And and that seems so far, it was fairly recent, but so far it seems to be working okay. For sure. Yeah. If you if you give people reasonable severance and then always, you know, have a have a waivers that they have to sign that they're uh, saying they will not sue you in order to get that severance, but giving them a reasonable severance. And then sometimes, often, especially with professional level people, what's more important to them than the money is being treated with respect, and then you telling them, I am going to help you find another job. Use me as a reference. In fact, I might introduce you to some folks because everybody, even though they may not have been successful in the job that you have them in, everybody can be successful in some job. And it's just helping them find that. And if it's not within your company, you should offer to help them in another company. And you can leave those discussions, not totally positive, but you can leave those discussions much, you know, in a much more positive frame of of uh, mind than than if you just go in and you're cruel to people and you don't offer them severance and you don't help them find another job. Then sometimes those uh, those ads that people see on late night TV for the attorneys that are trolling for uh, business become a more more appealing. Yeah. I wonder how your advice would work in say California where you know if if you if you dare utter the wrong word during a reference check or something like that you personally are liable. Yeah, and so and so you don't ever want to be untruthful and and uh, and I've I mean I've I've had thousands of employees earlier in my career I worked for Payless Shoe Source and I was responsible for HR for 500 retail stores all in California. So I've had a lot of experience in California. And you never want to lie in a reference check. You know, we actually had one employee who we terminated because he flashed 
other employees, you know, his, his genitals. Well, you know, we can't have an employee who works here for who does that. And so we terminated him and not much legal risk there. Um, although we did offer him severance, Eddie signed, but I got a reference call um, from him because I always offer that up. I mean, even for him, I was like, you know, I'll help you where I can. So, so a company called me and, and for that company, I said, look, I can't really get into the details about his performance. I'm the HR guy. I don't know that much, but I can verify his beginning date and end date of employment. And, you know, and that's all I can say. And they'd actually heard. And so they specifically asked me, we heard he got fired because he exposed himself to somebody. And I said, I can't confirm or deny. It's just our policy not to, not to comment. So, you know, you need to be careful, but, but you can always offer to be a reference and you just need to be careful, especially in a situation like that and not, not reveal too much information even in California. <laughs> yeah. I I teach an interviewing course and and of course I get into the legalities of it. And for certain companies that I worked for where I was teaching this course, on the one hand, we encourage interviewers to go out to the candidates references and ask lots of questions. So we encourage the interviewer to really dig and and to learn as much as they can about that that candidate in context. But when you are called for a reference and asked for a reference, you can verify dates of employment. <laughs> and, and that's almost it. So it's it's a very lopsided equation, at least in California it was. Yeah, for sure. And I, I agree with you. Anytime you're interviewing, reference checks are great. And, and most of the time, people will talk to you. And they're probably... Well, and, and, and what's equally important is I always ask candidates for their references, but then I also ask them for, tell me the person that you reported to in your last several jobs, because, you know, people are going to give you all the best references, right? And of course those folks, but, but, but they're still worth calling because you can read between the lines, you can ask some questions, people get talkative and, you can get good information, even out good and sometimes not great, you know, not positive information about the uh, candidate out of references that they even give you, but you get great references and they can't really pick who they reported to. And those are the folks that you really want to talk to and maybe even hound a little bit if they're not returning your calls. And those are the folks that you really want to talk to and hopefully they'll speak with you. Yeah, good advice. Part of me wants to say good luck with that, but you know, I'll tell you, I'm more successful than I am not in calling references and getting people to talk. You'd be, you know, yeah, there's a lot of HR organizations that tell everybody don't give references, but a lot of people either didn't take the course or forgot it because I'm telling you, I'm batting way more than 80% of the people that will talk to me. And you can tell whether or not they're being fully truthful. I'm not saying 80% are fully truthful, but 80% of them will talk to me and give me a little more than just dates of hire and date of, of leaving. Good to know. Good to think about. References are very helpful. All right. Well, continuing on this vein, what recruiting and selection strategies should new managers keep in mind? So I think the best managers are always recruiting whether they have a job opening or not, when they're 
doing whatever it is they're doing. I mean, I, I can remember. Uh, uh, so one of one of the one of the uh, district managers. So at Payless Shoe Source, you have district manager who will have like twenty to twenty five store managers reporting to them, and it's still unbelievable to me that that bit that company went out of business. Uh, they're two and a half billion in sales at forty five hundred stores, but but you know Amazon's done worse to other people, but. The best district manager I ever worked with was always recruiting for store employees. Every time they went shopping, they were recruiting. If they if they you know met employees in other stores, restaurants, it didn't matter. They were always recruiting. And when they found somebody who was really really good, they kept in touch with them. Even if they didn't currently have an opening, they kept in touch with them. They'd call them you know, once a month or whatever, sometimes take them out to lunch, whatever. And then when they had an opening, they would already have three or four people who they'd been keeping in contact with. And they could hire somebody within three or four weeks and somebody who they were really, really certain were going to be a great employee. It's just a much better way to go about it than all of a sudden I have an opening, I'm trying to recruit, I'm seeing some okay candidates, but not great candidates, but I got to fill the job. Work is spilling on the floor. I'm now working 60, 70 hours a week. I can't take it anymore. And you just make a suboptimal decision if you're not really proactive about recruiting. All right. Well, I, I know there's a phrase called always be selling. And so this one's always be recruiting. For sure. If you're a manager and you have people reporting to you, you should always be recruiting for sure. Because I have yet to experience the manager who has zero turnover for, you know, multiple years. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. People leave for all kinds of reasons. And uh, sure. Yeah. You want to be prepared. Makes perfect sense. Absolutely. Well, Tom, let's, let's pivot and talk a little bit about you and specifically about Preferred CFO. What can you tell us about this company? Yeah, so Preferred CFO, we've been around for about 10 years. We have about 80 employees, and we're working with about 150 different companies. And most of them are small companies. Most are less than 100 employees, and most are less than 30 or 40 million in revenue. But companies, I think one of the mistakes that a lot of small companies make is that they the, the owner or the CEO tries to do too much. And nobody is an expert in every area. And so owners and entrepreneurs that aren't an expert in finance or HR or accounting can really lean on us and we'll bring we will establish a monthly fee that's a, that's a reasonable fee and cheaper than hiring somebody full time by a long shot, and then be able to provide you excellent service in finance, accounting, HR, and payroll. And, uh, and then bigger companies, we do projects for bigger companies as well. Sometimes they need uh, experts and, uh, and, and need an increase in HR or finance or accounting talent. And, and we're able to, you know, you call us today, we're able to be there tomorrow. And, uh, and so we do work for, for big companies as well. Right on. That's, that's really helpful. I think for smaller companies, that's, that's a big deal. And that's, that's the model I've used in my company as an entrepreneur. I've got three contractors who work for me. And then an extended team, including a bookkeeper and an accountant and a webmaster and, you know, all these, all these folks who are much, much better than I could ever be at these things. They love it. 
I can give it to them and trust them and I can focus on what I love to do and I have work-life balance and they get to do work they love. Absolutely. No, I think it's I think it's a model that all small companies should look at. Yeah. Yeah, the fraction the fractional model, the fractional yes. C, CFO, the fractional COO. Yeah. Right. Yep, exactly. All right. Well, let's let's flip over now to the lightning round. This is where I ask you some questions, not terribly revealing or anything, but an opportunity for the listeners to get to know you a little bit. So the first question is, if you could interview anyone, anyone at all, living or dead, who would it be and why? Oh, there's probably a long list, but Jamie Diamond probably comes to mind. You know, that man as the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase for the last, whatever, 20 years, having lived through all of the financial upheaval that's gone on in the last 20 years and and his ability to navigate and see around corners. I just love to see if I could get a little bit of that to rub off on me and and uh, it helped me see around corners the way that that man does. I would love that that ability to see around corners. It was it was part of my job description at Apple and I could never pull it off. So. Hard to do, but I think Jamie Diamond has done it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. My second question here is your favorite vacation spot and why? I love to go to Alaska. I, I'm a big outdoors person. I love fishing. I love uh, the mountains and the outdoors. And and uh, and I, I love Alaska in the summertime. I actually went there in March, just past March, I went up there. And that was the first time it hadn't quite been just in the summertime. And we and uh, it was on my on the bucket list of my dad. He, he always wanted to go to the Iditarod. So we went and did that. I'm not sure I'd do it again in the wintertime, but I love Alaska in the summer. Okay. Now now I got to know, how cold was it? Oh, I mean, you know, it didn't get, it, it was, it was uh, well, so we actually went to the Arctic Circle while we were in the neighborhood. He was like, let's go up to the Arctic Circle. So I think it was like, I don't know, negative 10, negative 15 in the Arctic Circle. And there were these trees that looked like marshmallows because- the snow just went and blew onto the onto these pine trees and never melted. And they were just, it was unbelievable. But yeah, it was pretty cold. <laughs> oh, yeah. Negative 10, negative 15. That's actually warmer than I thought. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, it, it did get quite as cold. But we saw the northern lights, which was pretty cool as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Would love to see that. Yep. Nice. Well- Continuing along that vein, where would you most like to travel aside from Alaska? Yeah, so I want to go to Africa. I want to go on a safari in Africa. I haven't done that. I've been on, uh, you know, most of the continents in the world, but I, I haven't been to Africa and want to do that and go on a safari. You and me both would love to do that. I'd love to take my kids. That'd be good stuff. Yeah. And my last lightning round question for you, Tom, what brings you the most joy in your life? Yeah, my family. I mean, I've got uh, I've got three sons and my wife, and I've got seven siblings. And so when my parents uh, get their crew together, it's like seventy people. It's it's great. I I love hanging out with my family. Yeah, me too. Me too. That's a very common answer to that question, which is reassuring. You know. Sure. So absolutely. Good. Yeah. Well, Tom, thank you so much. I enjoyed our conversation. Big important question here for you: How can people find you? Yes. So at uh, preferredcfo.com, or if you just Google Tom Applegarth, there's not that many of us in the world. 
And I come up pretty high on the uh, Google list every time somebody Googles Tom Applegarth. So you can reach out there as well. And my email is uh, Tom A at preferredcfo.com. Tom A at preferredcfo.com. Yep. Okay. Well, thanks for listening. Please subscribe, comment, share, and connect with me on LinkedIn. Watch for my book, Lead Like a Pro, The Essential Guide for New Managers, which is coming September 20th. We will catch you on the next one. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Management Development Unlocked. Want more? Get a ton of insider tips and tools at gerardtrainingsolutions.com. Music